0: Good morning. It's great to be with you again this weekend, two weekends in a row for me here in the auditorium. We've continued the sermon series on breakthrough. And today I'm preaching to you on courage for a crazy world. You know, looking at the definition of courage, courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. The ability to do something that frightens you. So we're talking about courage in our sermon prep, and and uh somebody said you need to come with a a story out of, out of your life that where you demonstrate a lot of courage. I thought about that and thought about that. And I thought, I'll tell this story. It, it was my first ever ski trip as a youth pastor, right? That's a scary thing, right? And the main reason it was scary because I'd never skied before, right? So I'm taking these kids on a skiing trip and I've never skied. So we get there, you know, I feel like I'm a decent athlete. This shouldn't be too hard, but just to be, just to be safe I take the bunny class, right? The beginner's class. So I go over and enroll in the bunny class and, and I'm over there and they show me how to put the skis on, how to stand up and, you know, all the little stuff you learn in the bunny class. And, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So I, so I leave the class and I go and, uh, get on the ski lift and my, and one of my youth counselors is with me. Who's an expert skier He says now, you know, it's going to be a little challenge to get up top. I know you, I said, I took the bunny class. He said, I know you did, but, but, uh, Trust me, it's going to be a little more different up there on the top of the mountain, okay? I'm right, good, I'm good, I'm good. So we get up there, you know, and uh, and get, stop, the lift stops, and I jump out and I do this little shoo, you know? He goes, wow, that's pretty good. So I took the class, you know? And uh, he said, well, I'll see you down at the bottom. I said, okay. As the last I saw him for the whole day. You know, I, you, know you know the story, right? I mean, I just went down overhead, over. Feet, skis, every which way. And my, my youth group would go by me and laugh at me and wave at me. And I would just sprawl out. You know, and how do you stand back up? You know, I don't I have no clue. They didn't cover that part in the class. You know, they didn't say, now when you fall, you do this. So, you know, I'm still looking for a breakthrough. And I doubt that's ever going to happen again because it's my last time skiing. So don't invite me skiing. I'm not going to go. Uh, it was crazy, right? But we need a breakthrough in our lives. And we need courage for a crazy world that we live in. Do we agree that the world is going crazy? Can I get a second on that? The world is crazy out there. There's senseless violence going on in our world. You, you can't look at the, the news anywhere and not just see some craziness going on. And we've read all year, summer this past year about crazy violence at concerts, at churches, at schools. What's the craziness in Washington, right? That the government is shut down now? You know, what is that about? You know? That's just crazy. Uh, Things going on all over the place. And then we have a culture that we live in that's going crazy, worshiping the idols of secularism and hedonism and humanism. And as crazy as our world is, the reality is, is this world has always been crazy. We live in a crazy world. We have a history of craziness. I started looking this up and I I was astonished to look at these numbers. You know, in in the war between the states, the Civil War, that 620,000 lives were lost that's crazy. In World War II, 80 million people died in World War II. And if you look at all the wars in the 20th century alone, 187 million people died. That's crazy. We live in a broken creation. If you go back from the beginning of time of history of recording uh, wars and and, and those kind of conflicts, 1 billion people are estimated to have died. Think how different this world would be had one billion good people not lost their lives in wars. You know, we're not insulated from this crazy world, but I believe that God does not want us to be insecure in this crazy world, that he calls us to have courage in the midst of craziness. And Joshua lived in a crazy world. Can you imagine wandering 40 years in a desert? And in that desert experience, over 2 million people died, a time of craziness. Now, in Moses has passed, he has died, and, and God has appointed Joshua to lead the people into the promised land, to lead, again, almost two million people, inexperienced people into battle against uh, an occupied land of giants, a, a land that had seven nations in fortified cities, and it says, go take the land. <laughs> now, sounds a little crazy to me, right? Just go do it. You can do it w- with my help. And so fear focuses on obstacles and courage faces and focuses on opportunities. And like Joshua, to live in a crazy world, we need some courage. So if you're able this morning, would you stand? I wanna read to you God's word from Joshua 1, verses five through nine. This is where Joshua gets his command to be courageous. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Now that's a great, a great word for Joshua. Right? Nobody will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Father God, may we have courage May we have confidence to know that you will be with us wherever we go, that you will never forsake us. You'll never leave us. Give us this hope and confidence and courage today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you think about courage this morning, I want to define courage for you. Courage defined. We all know about physical courage, right? It's those people that are willing to risk injury, pain, even death to save or protect someone. And we are safe today because we have men and women all around the globe that are serving and exhibiting physical courage. You know, sometimes there are things more important than pain and, and, and there are people here this morning that if something happened, you would spring into action because you've been trained to take on a situation because you have physical courage. The kind of courage that John Wayne talked about, right? Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And some of you saddle up every day to go into a world that's crazy. Takes some physical courage. Also, there's something we call moral courage. It's doing the right thing, the right thing, even at the risk of inconvenience, ridicule, and persecution, where people are willing to put safety and security on the line for a cause for a cause that we believe is right. Now last Monday was Martin Luther King day. It's a day in which we honor Martin Luther King for his moral and physical courage. He did not fear those who meant him harm. He had a great cause that he believed in and they may have taken his breath, but they didn't take his soul. They did, certainly didn't take his cause. And I love this quote from Martin Luther King. Courage is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. A physical courage, a moral courage. And then there's something that I believe that is in Joshua chapter one, and that is a God-given courage. God-given courage. And Joshua received God-given courage because because he had a relationship with God. And you and I can receive God-given courage when we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God's Son. When we get to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord, through the Holy Spirit begins to give us courage. Courage in the God who delivers. Courage in the God who saves. Courage in the God who leads us into a crazy world. And I believe that godly courage is doing not just the right thing, but the most righteous thing the most righteous thing we can do no matter what it may cost doing what God wants done. You know, whenever I surrender to crazy, crazy wins. When I refuse to get out and go face the world with God given strength and courage, crazy wins. Fear wins when we keep us, when it keeps us from stepping out and releasing God's power into what looks like impossible situations. Someone said that courage, God given courage is fear that has said its prayers. God-given courage is fear that has said its prayers. That we believe our God is bigger than our problems, our God is bigger than our obstacles, and our God is bigger than what we fear. Psalm 27, one said this, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? See, courage that comes from God gives us confidence, courage that transforms us so we can go and transform the world. So this morning, do you you need some breakthrough? Are you living your life afraid? Are you afraid that the culture is going to win? Are you afraid that things are going to go so south that we won't be able to function? Are you afraid of what God is calling you to do? You need some God-given courage Now, this God-given courage that comes out of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, needs to be developed. Courage needs to be developed. We cannot become in 30 seconds what we've not been in the past days or weeks or months or years. It's got to be developed. I believe that God-given courage is a choice that we make. That we decide that, God, I want to be a man of courage. I want to be a woman of courage. I want to make a difference in this world. Now, You look at Joshua's story here, and God called him to to go and lead the the, the children of Israel into the promised land. He says, "Be, be strong and courageous. And then he gave him one simple command, one way in which he was going to discover and have his courage developed. Joshua 1, 8 and 9, keep this book of law, this book of law, always on your lips. Meditate it Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, for Joshua, the book of the law would have been the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and part of Deuteronomy. These are the books they've been carrying for 40 years in the Ark of the Covenant. Wherever they go, they've taken God's law, God's word with them. You know, in reality, for 40 years, Joshua has been in possession of God's word. But now God is wanting his word to take possession of Joshua. I would think it's safe to say that most of you here today possess a Bible, possess the word of God. But the question is, does the word of God possess you? You may own a Bible, but does the word of God own you? And I think it's important to note that that here in this text, it says every word of God, not just the words that we like, not just the words we feel comfortable with, but every word of God that challenges us to become the men and women that God wants us to be. And this morning, if you don't have a Bible, and you need a Bible. You can stop by our welcome desk and we can give you a Bible because we need to stand on God's word. You know, the word here is meditate. Meditate day and night on the word of God. And what is meditation? Sometimes it gives us this uh, kind of Eastern idea of, of chanting or something like that. But meditation, another word for meditation is rumination. Ruminate on the word of God. And if you're a farmer, you know what rumination is because that's what cows do, Right? Cows ruminate. They, they, they chew grass into a cud, and then they roll that cud around in their mouth, and then they swallow it, and then they let acid and stomach stuff work on it and, and chemicals, and then they kind of burp it back up, and then they chew it again, and, and they get some more grass, and they mix it together, and what they're doing is they're getting all the nutrients out of the grass, and that's what it says here in Joshua 1. We are to ruminate on the word of God. We are to get into the word of God, not just look at it occasionally, not just read through it one time, but really sit there and and, and ruminate or, or let the word of God marinate inside of us. I believe that's how God develops courage in us. When we spend time meditating, ruminating in God's word, you know, in this crazy world, I want you to hear what I'm going to say here, that we need spiritual maturity, not just special security. You know, we live in a world where we think we need all this security, and I, and I get that because it's a dangerous world. And this past week, I met with uh, uh, Chris Carver and I met with a bunch of uh, law enforcement him, from Lexington County and from uh, the, the state and from the federal, uh, some federal officers, and, and we're looking at developing even a more secure plan for the church and how we can be more safe here because we want to be safe, and security is important. But let me tell you what, spiritual maturity is more important than special security. And if you and I will get into God's word, we'll discover more courage than we ever thought possible. There was a study done of 1,000 thriving churches, churches that were on fire for God, where people were not struggling with faith, but instead were strong in their faith. They weren't fearful people, but courageous people. They were churches that were on mission for God. And the studies showed that there was one main common denominator and nothing had a greater impact than reading and reflecting and applying scripture. That those churches, scripture was key. It was vital. More important than great fellowship, more important than a great room, more important than great programming, was getting into the word of God. And that's exactly what Joshua was told to do. Joshua, if you will meditate, if you'll spend day and night in in my word, then you'll be successful. And you'll be able to effectively serve me and defeat these giants you'll face. Meditate on every word of God. You know, you've heard this say in the 80-20 rule. We sometimes talk about that in service and, and, and I'm, I'm blessed to say as a pastor here that, that, that a lot more than 20% of the people here serve. And if you're not yet serving, we, we wanna have 80% of our people serving, right? But sometimes we think about the word of God and we say, I don't know what God wants me to do. And, and I don't know what his will is for my life. I will tell you that 80% of God's will for your life is in the word of God. If you will open the word of God and meditate on it and read it, you'll find about 80% of what God wants you to do. He wants you to love your family. He wants you to love your spouse. He wants you to love your children. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He wants you to be kind to people and gentle to people. He wants you to go out and change the world. It's right there in the word, 80% of it. Now, there may be some ambiguity on the other 20%, but I believe if we get into the word of God, then God will give us the courage to live into the other 20%. The things that I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, where I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go, but get into the 80%. It's right there for us in the word of God. Get into it and God will show you the rest. You know, I love this song by Jeremy Camp. Jeremy Camp was here uh, uh, when we opened up our facility and great concert. And and he's got a song now called Word of Life. Word of life, speak to my weary heart. Strengthen my broken parts. Lead me to your open arms. Word of truth, illuminate all these lies. The enemy speaks inside. Now, the reality is, folks, we are being hammered by lies from the enemy. And we need this word to speak truth into our lives, to give us courage, not insecurity. It goes on to say, because you called me from the grave so I can live like I've been changed. Why don't we live like we've been changed because we're not getting the word of life. We're not living into God's word that 80% that's clearly spelled out in the word. There's a new song in my soul and it begins when I breathe in your word of life, spirit of God, take me to a deeper place and take me out of what is safe. I love that word. Take me out of what is safe. This calling that, that Joshua gets was not a safe calling. Go and take the land. Go and fight the giants. Go and change the world. And I want you to know, we want you to come here each weekend to get a charge to go change the world. To go out into an unsafe world. To go out into a crazy world and make a difference in the world. This word of God develops our convictions our core, what we believe. And from there comes our confidence and it changes our identity. I love this statement. Our identity always impacts our destiny. Who God says we are impacts our destiny, what we do. So how is courage deployed? How is it deployed? Well, Joshua was deployed to go and face the giants and claim the land that God has promised to him. And you and I every day get up and go out and face giants as we seek to advance God's kingdom, be deployed for God. We prayed a few minutes ago, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. How's that gonna happen? The only way that God's kingdom is gonna come on the earth is if you and I go deploy it. We gotta go be the kingdom of God. And God wants to give us the courage to bring his kingdom here to the earth. Now, this morning, I believe if we're going to be deployed to go out and change the world, we've got to contend for a crazy culture and not give in and not surrender to a culture of crazies. For too long, Christians have sat back and let a culture say, this is the way we should live in our planet. This is the way we should live in our country. And we sit on the sidelines and we take our cues from the world and not from the word. We take our cues from the world and not from the word, from the culture and not from Jesus Christ. We're God's people and we're called to be courageous. We're deployed to change the world, not copy the world. Jesus spoke a a strong word uh, from Matthew 10, 32. Read it from the message version. It says, Jesus says, stand up for me against world opinion. And I will stand up for you before my father in heaven. It's time that we find the courage to stand up for Jesus. And sometimes opposition to the opinion of the world. If you read the rest of that story or that part of the verse, Jesus says, and if you don't stand up for me, then I will not stand up for you. I don't want to be a cowardly Christian. I want to be a courageous Christian. Amen. Jesus is calling us to take a stand for what we believe, for the truth that comes straight from God's word and truth that is not just culturally correct. You know, we lived in a world for a while and we're coming out of the phase of being politically correct. <laughs> you know, I don't know what happened to politically correct. We we've moved on to culturally correct. And if you say anything that goes against the culture, then you are a mean, uh, uneducated, uh, unlearned person. You're just, you're, you're judgmental. If you, if you make any kind of stand against the culture today, stand up for me against world opinion. And what I'm talking about is our worldview. The worldview that you have is based on the convictions, your core values. And if you're a Christian and you call yourself a Christ follower, then you have a Christian worldview. And the reality is that when you and I go out into the world, everybody brings their worldview to the table. Everybody's got a worldview. And we go face those giants every day. What are some of those cultural worldviews that we face? Uh, Materialism. You know, we're bombarded with that, with materialism is the way of the culture that it's stuff that you need. You know, getting and gaining and and achieving is, is what the world is about. Another great giant we face of worldview is pleasure. The goal of life is to feel good, and, and I deserve to feel good. We call that hedonism, and we chase after things like food and sex and drugs to make us feel good. We worship at the altar of pleasure. Another worldview that we battle against a giant, this is a giant, individualism, me first mentality, a culture of narcissism, a culture of entitlement And don't let me, I can't Got time to go there, but entitlement where I deserve this. It's a culture that brought us the iPad, the iPhone, MySpace. It's all about me. That's a worldview that a lot of people possess. God did not make us to live for ourselves. Jesus said, I came not to be served. I came not to be about me, but to serve others, to lay down my life. There's a worldview of secularism that is taking over rampantly our nation. A secular world. Yet you and I as Christians are called to have a biblical worldview. And what is a biblical worldview? Everything in this book. This book frames a biblical Christian worldview. And the only way you and I can get that is to meditate and to ruminate on the Word of God and to be in the Word of God as we seek to study it. And it shapes our worldview. And then this will happen that Paul wrote to the Ephesians who were in a crazy world that he wrote this letter. Then we'll be no longer, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever. They sound like the truth. Instead we'll speak the truth in love growing in every way, more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. Now, Jesus confronted his world with truth and grace and love. And we need to have the courage to love people enough to tell them the truth. Amen. We need to have the courage to love people enough to tell them the truth about God's best and God's will and God's way. I believe we need courage to contend for the culture, but also the courage to redemptively engage the culture with compassion. And those are two sides of the same coin to contend for the culture and not surrender it to a culture that is becoming more and more secular, but to contend for it and engage the culture with redemptive love, redemptive compassion for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God-given courage says, I'll do anything I can to stop your hurt. I'll do anything I can to stop your pain. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus was moved with compassion for people. Courageous compassion for people. Jesus showed us that courage should be practical. Courage is revealed in compassion for the lost, the hurting, the sick, the poor, the least of these. When we kicked off our above and beyond mission to move into these facilities. We said our mission was to announce the rule and reign of God by proclaiming the name of Jesus, preparing people to reach the last one for Jesus, and provide opportunities for people to connect with Jesus. Provide opportunities for people to connect with Jesus, whether it's in this facility or out in this community. Now, I shared with you uh, earlier that Janice Abrogati is moving into a new position as a director of missions at our church. And we believe that through missions and outreaches like that, that we are engaging the culture with compassion. Demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ that can change lives. And I I shared in the other services uh, what a phenomenal job this church did in 2017. In regards to giving to missions, our mission giving was over $500,000 in an Advent offering for human trafficking, you gave, uh, $213,000. To the after school ministry and other ministries that are engaging, uh, people with courageous compassion, you gave almost $600,000 to that ministry. And together in 2017, you as a congregation said, we want to engage the culture with compassion by giving almost $1.3 million. We can celebrate that. Can we celebrate that? <laughs> now, it's easy to write a check. It's easy to write a check. But we need to be boots on the ground where we're out there engaging the culture with the love of Christ, the love of Christ. I love this uh, quote from Max Licato. He says, biographies of bold disciples begin with chapters of honest terror, fear of death, fear of failure, fear of loneliness, fear of a wasted life. life begin, faith begins when you see God on the mountain. And you're in the valley and you know you're too weak to make the climb. You can't get there on your own. You cry out for help. You cry out for help. I believe that God wants to give all of us courageous compassion to engage the culture redemptively, to contend for the culture, to make a stand for what we believe. Again, the words from Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you Wherever you go, and I believe that courageous or courage is contagious. Godly courage is contagious. God-given courage is contagious. My life was forever changed whenever God gave me some courage to step out and leave the comfortable confines of, of my home in Kentucky and, and come to South Carolina as a college student, nowhere to live, No job, just trust me. And God provided every step of the way that summer. And I'm here today, 40 some years later, serving God because I'm convinced that his word is true. I'm convinced that he will be with you wherever you go. I'm convinced that he will not let you down and he will stand with you. A couple weeks ago, we had a great event here at the church on a Friday night called Sisterhood. And the women stepped out in faith and had some God-given courage and challenged many of you women to come. Many of you were there. And there that night, we heard a, a testimony from a young woman named Heather Cook, a victim of human trafficking at the age of 14. Trapped in that lifestyle of, 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 of deceit and deception and darkness for 16 years. And yet she shared how God rescued her. And she wrote a book called Beyond the Bars. And today she volunteers for Lighthouse for Life works full-time at Toby's place. And I emailed her and I told her how inspiring she was. And I was, women, I just got to confess, I was sitting in the balcony listening because it was some good stuff going on there. And I listened to her testimony and I, and I asked her in an email, would you tell me where you found your courage from? How, how did God uh, develop courage in you? And how has God deployed you? And she sent me back this incredible email that on August 24, 2009, I made a promise to God after he came and delivered me and set me free from a two-year sentence at the South Carolina Department of Corrections that I would tell God of your goodness all the days of my life. God, you've rescued me, you've redeemed me, and I will tell of your goodness all the days of my life. That was my declaration of courage that would strengthen my faith. I had no idea, she says, what it would look like. I just knew even in my incarceration that God was with me and that he was going to strengthen me. Courage, she says, is a place I have learned to trust God more and more. Courage is a place I get to look my past face to face and not be moved. Courage is a place my faith gets strengthened more and more every time I stand before a crowd of individuals and tell my testimony of how the devil wanted to destroy me destroy me, and kill me, but God rescued me and God redeemed me. Every time my book gets mailed or given to a friend or to a stranger, I get courage, courage to obey even when it seems crazy when I want to do the complete opposite and that God gave me a word, a word that he gave to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed for I'm with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. And on that night, we had another very brave, courageous believer a woman who has stepped out in faith. Her name is Jen Thompson. And she came and shared her story and her ministry, Lighthouse of Life. And I've invited her to come and join me for a few minutes here on the stage. Would you give a a warm welcome to Jen Thompson of Lighthouse for Life? Thank you, you. Well, Jen, I asked you to be here because, uh, as uh, again, I listened to your story and how God has shaped your life and how you have stepped out in obedience to follow God. Just tell the folks who maybe weren't there. A lot of these guys weren't there. They weren't there at Sisterhood. But tell tell, tell us how your courage was developed, how how perhaps at an event here at this church that God began to move in your life. Yeah,
1: I found that very ironic that um, back in February the 10th of 2015, um, I attended an event over in the um, other sanctuary over there where um, a gentleman named Bob Healy had sponsored and and brought a lady named Tawan McCarty from Alabama, um, who's a survivor of human trafficking, and she shared her story. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard a true story of someone who had been trafficked in the United States. Um, And at that time, I was sitting over there. I was a PE teacher, and I didn't know almost three years later to the day that I would be um, in different shoes.
0: Yeah, and so you made a decision to step out and uh, left your job. And now t- tell us, tell the folks what you do with Lighthouse for Life.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, Lighthouse for Life really exists for two reasons. And one is to go anywhere at any time, especially inside the state of South Carolina and raise awareness about the fact that human trafficking happens here and it doesn't happen just in a kidnapping type of a way, but it happens very relationally and it happens to American citizens, including children. And then the other part of our mission is to open a safe house that will be open so very soon um, in Richland County. And it's for female survivors of trafficking ages 12 to 21. And if I can share my super recent good news is that we just passed uh, fire marshal inspections, building inspections, and hired caregivers. And that's been over a journey that happened even before I came to Lighthouse for Life, easily a four-year journey.
0: So your life is totally different. You're on a, a different path completely, <laughs> yes. and God has given you this incredible courage to step out. So what's that like, to be on a just a different path altogether?
1: Uh, it's mind-blowing. Um, I used to teach PE every day, and um, now I'm doing you know things that I never imagined that I would. But I just tell people that my story is proof that God is in Lighthouse for Life, it's a faith-driven ministry, and that he will use you. And the number one thing that I learned is not to try to reinvent who you are, but to be who he made you to be. And don't try to be like, well, I need to sell everything and move to Africa. No, if God called you to be a PE teacher, you'd be the best one. And if he called you to be a greeter on the First Impressions team at your church, you'd be the best one. And just do the next thing.
0: Okay. so. What, what what is courage like for you? What does it take to get out and do this ministry and you know, step out and do something totally different?
1: Um, what well, takes courage to come up here, be with you? Um, Courage—they're really nice people. I, really I believe awesome. it. I can't see them, and that's a good thing. So, no courage. Honestly, it just comes from the word. And for me, Ephesians uh, now I can't remember Ephesians three twenty has been what pro- provided courage for me that God would do exceedingly above anything that I could ask or imagine. And I would never imagine being the leader of a faith-based nonprofit um, ever. And so it's just God in you. And so when you embrace God in you, then you're like, give me that microphone. I got a message I got to tell these people. And I was the one born to tell it. And you don't have that fear. Fear is a lie. I came to a concert and sat on the back road back there a couple months ago. And that guy got up here at Zach and sang, fear is a liar. And that's really, really, really true. And so if you remember that Christ in you, the hope of glory raised from the dead and we're called to do even greater things, then you're good.
0: Amen. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, so much. Thank you Jen. I, I should have had her come out a little earlier. She was really good. But anyway, but again, what an inspiration, right? Because I think that I, I know that God is calling you and me to do something to change the world. And again, wherever God has got you at, be the very best you can be where you're at. But don't, don't, uh, Hesitate to contend for the culture. Don't hesitate to engage a culture with redemptive compassion that comes from your relationship with Jesus. You know, make a stand for the Lord. Don't, don't get in hiding. Don't be insecure. Seek to have maturity in the Lord. And I believe that God is wanting to do something in someone's life today. And maybe you're like Heather and you're in a prison. You're in in chains, you're still, as we talked about last week, in the wilderness. And I believe that God can set you, I know God can set you free. And God can give you a new direction in your life. And like Heather, he rescued her so she could tell a story with courage and compassion. And I believe there's people here that have never served in a ministry that God is calling you to step out and serve in a ministry, to get involved and engage in the culture redemptively. And there are ministries that have not yet begun here in Lexington, here at Mount Hoare, because you've not stepped out. I'm here today as a pastor because when I became a Christian, Miss Luella Fannin, who was 67 years old, wore a back brace, had a vision for starting a prayer breakfast in my little church. And she invited me to come. And there were seven of us at that first prayer breakfast. It grew to 70-some kids. And seven of us became Pastors. And that's all she knew how to do was start a little prayer breakfast for seven kids in a little town in Kentucky. What is God calling you to do in your life? Father God, I thank you that you can set us free. You can break the chains. You can give us a new beginning. And not just a new beginning, but a new purpose. A new reason to live. A new reason to go out and face a crazy world. And Father God, I pray you would give us your courage as we spend time in your word, that our confidence would grow in you. It wouldn't be timid and afraid of a culture that is crazy, a culture that is becoming more and more non-Christian, more and more secular. But Father God, you call us to lift up the sacred, the sacred by engaging people with your love. So Lord, I pray you would convict that person today to step out in faith and do something they've never done before for your purpose and your glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen.